Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we have Beverly Reynolds on. She's an author and adoptive mother. Beverly, welcome to the show. Thanks, April. How did you hear about Adoption Now? I actually was looking for adoption organizations to connect with, and I wanted to be a part of an organization or part of a group of people that really supported adoption and really got the word out as to the fact of what a beautiful and awesome gift adoption can be. You hear all these crazy stories about how it can be negative, and I want people to know that there are great stories out there, and it can be a huge blessing to every single person involved in a situation. Absolutely. What state are you in? I'm in Texas. Okay. So did you just Google adoption? I did, actually, because, I just, like I said, I just wanted people to know that there are such great opportunities out there, and if that's the way you want to further your family and grow your family, I'm a huge advocate of the process, and I wanted people to know that there's resources out there. Now, you have written a book, correct? I have, definitely. I wrote and illustrated it. That is amazing. Now, we're going to talk more about that, but let's just get started in your story. So you and your husband... You were married for 10 years, and you started the adoption process. That's correct. And so what did that look like? Basically, we were, I remember we were in the car coming back from a family outing around Thanksgiving time, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, okay, you know, we've been married for 10 years. We didn't have kids of our own. We both kind of came to the same conclusion that we wanted to become parents. We just didn't know where to go or what to do. And so literally, we're, we're in the car, and... The next stop that we made was either dinner, lunch, whatever. We stopped and we had a sit-down dinner. And we just started coming through our phone looking for resources and options. And then we became kind of overwhelmed because there are a lot of adoption agencies and facilitators and lawyers out there that can facilitate the process of adoption. And it was really difficult for us. I mean, we knew we wanted to, to go through adoption. Adoption had been prevalent on both sides of our family, both in his and mine, but we just didn't know where to go. So we started contacting agencies and facilitators and lawyers and pretty much the whole gamut and just interviewing people much like this and getting information. And then we basically looked at the criteria that we wanted to so really to focus in on, you know, whether it was the age of a child, whether we wanted a child at birth. I mean, we had no kids at the time and we knew we wanted to have an infant. So that narrowed out some of the situations that we could have had available to us. Right. We also looked at agencies and we, we thought, wow, there's agencies that have a different scale in terms of income. And for us, that just wasn't right. Now, it doesn't mean it's a bad option. It just wasn't for us. Were you surprised so at we, how expensive it was in some agencies? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it was anything from the cost of travels to cost for the birth mother, and sometimes it wasn't just the cost to us directly in terms of like travel and so forth. It was based on our income in some cases too. Right. So right. if you make a certain amount of income, then it would be one price. If you made a different income, it would be a different price, which is fine for some people. It just wasn't the right option for us. Some were of a different price based on gender, based on ethnicity. That just wasn't us either. No, that's not to say those are bad options. It just didn't fit for us. So what was your next step? We literally narrowed it down to the idea of a facilitator. We wanted somebody that would guide us, but not tell us what to do. 
not govern anything other than obviously the, the legal laws. So we ended up with a group at the time was called ChristianAdoption.com. I do not believe they're in existence anymore. However, the idea of a, of a facilitator was literally somebody we could call up for questions. That meant, hey, we we're on the hunt for a lawyer. Hey, do you have any advice when looking for a lawyer? What are the questions that we should ask? What are the questions that we need to consider? What's the range of money that we should expect to have to spend at each point of the process? Because if you're not going to an agency, you're doing a whole lot of footwork on your own. Right. Which has its advantages and disadvantages. Like I said before, it's like there's not a right or wrong option. It's just you have to decide what's right for you. <sighs> Yes, that's what we say on the show all the time. You have to figure out what you can do. It was pretty daring of you, though, to do that and your first adoption. <laughs> you know, and it's funny how things work out. And you, I always say that things always happen because they're supposed to happen exactly that way. And it did. We were actually matched, kind of jumping ahead a little bit. We were matched with a young couple in Florida. I live in Texas, did then, do now. And... We didn't know them before we started this process. We literally went through the facilitator, put a dear friend letter up online. It had six pictures and had a, literally a letter about our lives. Here's an overview if you could sum it up in about five or six paragraphs. <laughs> Isn't that hard to write? <laughs> it was, I don't know how many times we literally, I remember this specifically. We had a notepad <laughs> and we were literally sitting down like around the dining room table going, nope, scratch that, pull another notebook, crumple it up throw it behind her head. <laughs> right. And what I mean, six pictures do you put? I mean, six is so little. Well, yeah, it's a very little, it was very specific, but we knew that with every single birth mom that I've ever talked to, and obviously I talked to a whole lot of people, but every person that I've talked to basically says, you know, they're looking for a certain thing. Well, of course that made us nervous because we're thinking, mm -hmm. well, we want, want that thing. thing. What is that <laughs> thing? We want it. <laughs> right. We want to become parents. Right. So how do we do that? So we just kind of came to the conclusion we just have to be ourselves and say, you know, like, what are our favorite six to convey us? Whatever that is, what are those pictures? So we chose a picture of our pets. We chose a professional picture of us. We chose a candid picture of us, like in front of the Christmas tree. <laughs> I think we chose a, a couple pictures of us doing fun activities. And that was basically us. <laughs> Tell me right? this. So it goes on a site. And how do the birth mothers get directed to that site? Literally, it was just through social media technology. She would have to have been a technology kind of person that's using the web to connect with the family to raise her child. <laughs> wow. So the birth mother in Florida was doing that? Yes, that's actually how she found us. In fact, at the bottom, what we did, at least in our particular profile, is we wrote that letter. Then certain words were those links to the pictures, and you could click on it and get the picture, and you could close the picture down and be back at the letter. And at the bottom of the letter, we literally put a 1-800 number and an email address. She could contact us either way. It was free to her either way. Oh, my goodness. That's so daring. You gave your real number? It was, well, it's the 1-800 number. Oh, okay, so okay. We set up a 1-800 number. Okay, so they could contact so, and find right. you, but you didn't put, like, your name and your personal information out there just our first names our first names okay. no last names real email address and one 800 number that would dial into our home number and how much did that cost you oh goodness um maybe 10 bucks a month oh my goodness yeah it wasn't very expensive at all so making this choice was to keep the cost lower 
If somebody's listening right now, they might be thinking, I can't afford the $25,000, but there are other options out there to finding your child. Absolutely. But if you're going to do, and I will say this from personal experience, you have to do your homework. And like, here's a prime example. We were very fortunate because our birth mom, and this is just like a happenstance kind of thing. Our birth mother had been in an adoptive situation before where she was the birth mother. So she had done the whole adoption process in the past. She knew more about the process than we did. That's not to say that it wouldn't have worked out had it not been, but you have to be able to ask yourself, okay, I'm putting myself out here. It's kind of a risk, but what are the repercussions of that risk? What are the joys that can come of that? I mean, there's good and bad people out there. You have to kind of weigh the odds because she literally, and I remember in the situation, she sent us an email and then that very same night when I got home from work, I called her. We had a four hour conversation. Wow. <laughs> you know, we were trying to get to know each other and we just kind of clicked. I mean, we asked each other a lot of questions. I mean, it was, it was a back and forth dialogue. So I knew it. I mean, after four hours, you kind of get to know them and you sort of have like that, for lack of better terms, like almost a sixth sense about that person. Mm-hmm. And we had enough trust to where three quarters of the way through the conversation, she literally said, I want you to come down here face to face, like in two weeks, and we'll see about a match. <laughs> wow. Okay, wait. At first, you thought she was a scam artist, though, right? I did at first. In fact, it was kind of an unusual situation because she went by a nickname. And so that nickname wasn't her first biological name. It was just, it wasn't even her middle name. It was just a nickname she went by. And so I didn't really know at first what her real name was because she said, oh, my name is this. Well, and I found out just from talking to her, she's like, well, it's not really my name, but I go by this. And I'm going, so she's giving me a name. I mean, she's telling me at least that that's not my real name, but how do I know? You know, right. you, don't really, you, just have to, you just have to kind of jump into it. Instinct. Right. And, and we did, we jumped on a plane within two weeks. We got buddy passes from a neighbor. I'm not lie. Like you talk about things just sort of working out the way they're supposed to work out. We jumped on a plane it cost us like two or three hundred bucks to do that, plus the hotel for, I think it was two nights or so. We met her at the melting pot and we knew exactly, like we scanned the restaurant like anyone would because we'd never seen, I mean, we'd seen a picture, I believe at that point, but we didn't really have a lot of information to go on. We didn't know if it was her. <laughs> we didn't really have an idea, but it was funny because we walked to that restaurant. I'll never forget this as long as I live. We scanned the restaurant and in the back, very back of the restaurant, she had already set up a table for us. And I knew when I saw her that that was her. She set up a table for you? I mean, she was she like did. totally Actually, ready. She like knew. Ahead of time, asked for a private table. There happened wow. to be one available. <laughs> and it was in the back of the restaurant. She sounds like she's very intelligent, very smart. Well, absolutely. One of the smartest people I know. I mean, you can't tell a person who is not intelligent and talk to me for four hours. You know, I mean, to this day, eight years later, I still call her up and be like, hey, girl, how's it going? Um, tell me about this. Did you ever experience whatever my question is? Could be a behavioral issue with our son. Could be a physical attribute, whatever. Any, any sort of challenge or question, I can ask. I can call her up on a whim and just say, hey, how's it going? <laughs> so you guys connected you know, instantly. I mean, you have a friendship going, it sounds like. But absolutely. what was her story? Oh, what brought her to another adoption? How far along was she... Was the birth father there? She, yeah, she was actually about six months or so along. So she was pretty well through the process. 
had already made that choice with the birth father to do an adoption. And the reason being was more economical struggles. They were struggling financially. He had already had two children that were at the time three and four years old. Obviously, they're like teenagers now, but I remember they were three and four when we met them. And, you know, it was just another child to have to support on a much lower income to have three children. So, and they weren't married. They were very young. Um, My son's birth father at the time of birth was 19 years old. He was 19 years old and they had a three and a two-year-old? Well, they weren't, the other two, the older kids were not biologically his, but they were in the home. Okay. So he was raising and supporting these two children of hers. Of hers, okay. So together, yeah, I'm sorry, together they had, they would have had three children. So they made a choice together to bless another couple through the gift of adoption for what is now my son. And she had placed a child before? She had actually placed a child and been a surrogate in the past. And the reason why I think that's important to mention is that she had enough love, enough dedication, intelligence, you name it, a lot of positive traits to recognize that she couldn't support, they even together couldn't support another child given their economic situation. It's really interesting because people always ask me, they're like, well, what if he wants to, to ask her later on in life, why did you not love me? That was one of the questions when we met my son's birth mother and birth father together at the melting pot the very first time we saw them face to face. She expressed to us the interest in becoming a match. And I looked at her and I said, yes, of course. But realized that if we're going to open ourselves up to an open adoption, and by open I mean the lines of communication are open, I said, here's the reality of the situation. And I was just very forthcoming about there are some challenges that come with having an open adoption as well. And let me explain this. So I looked at her square in the eye across the table at a restaurant. And I said, an open adoption means that if he's eight, nine, ten years old or, or older, whatever age, he may want to look you straight in the eye face to face and ask you, why did you not love me? It could be that forward. You said this in the first meeting? I did. I did. And he said, I understand what that means. And I am okay with that. In fact, I welcome that. Wow. And you I just laid it out there. Yeah. But I figured there's no better way than to absolutely make her understand the choice that she's making for the rest of her life. But as a result, I mean, it's been a huge blessing for everybody involved, including herself, because, I mean, we've gone to visit her at least every year or two, depending on finances. My son's eight. So she's gotten to watch him not just through Facebook, but also in person to watch him grow up, to see him interact with her children now that they're growing up. Mm-hmm. And I get to see potentially kind of the, what my son will look like. Because mm-hmm. it was just like her two boys that she already had had before she placed our son to adoption. So after you went to the Melting Pot, which, by the way, is a wonderful restaurant, and I would like to be your birth mother so that you could take me there. I love that restaurant, and I bring it up only because that's a hard decision when you're in Florida. We went to Florida as well, but any state, you're going and you're visiting the birth mother, and you're going to take them out to eat, and you're like, where do we take them? Because you don't want it to be, you know, overwhelming for them if they don't go out to eat a lot, and then you don't want it to be McDonald's necessarily. 
And so right. we were always like, I don't know. Our, one of our birth moms said, can you just take me to Dunkin' Donuts? We're like, yeah, <laughs> done. And then the other one, you know, wanted to go to IHOP. I mean, we asked them because we were trying to guess. How did you come up with the melting pot? Fondue? Yeah, I honestly don't think that was my choice. I think that was her choice if I'm remembering back. And we just kind of said, you know, wherever you want to go, we're going to go. Because we're going to go under the assumption that this is real. And, of course, it was and is. But we didn't know at the time. We just kind of jumped out on a whim and said, let's go where you want to go. This story is, <laughs> is so unique. Definitely so <laughs> unique. That it was your first time adoption and yep. you were willing to jump on a plane and not have another advocate for you. I mean, you became your own advocate. You yep. took her to Fondue. You know, that's a, kind of an expensive restaurant. She got there first and got the table for you. She got the lawyer. I mean, this story is just, it's so unique. So if you're listening to this, this is so different than all the rest of our stories. And even going further in your story, I mean, the relationship that the two of you have now is really unbelievable. But what happened as you got on the plane and left? Did you continue to communicate? And did she oh, call you? Okay. What was her birthing yeah. plan? So right as we, I don't know, about halfway or three quarters or so of the way through our meal, she looks at us and says, okay, we're at match. Okay. So that's the first thing we we're kind of like, oh, this is real. Okay. <laughs> but then... She had already an air pocket or a purse, whatever. She had the ultrasound or her most recent ultrasound picture. And that's when I found out, oh, it's a boy. <laughs> and this is real. And she chose us. This is absolutely going to happen. And we never really, truly had any doubts because she'd been there before. Not to say that she couldn't have, you know, reneged on the adoption plan, but she literally almost slid across the table the ultrasound pictures and she was excited of course everybody was nervous of course but we were also very excited at the same time to go wow we're going to be parents and we're going to be parenting with these people who are going to be kind of watching from afar so it's kind of an accountability i gained a friend <laughs> and it's ironic because we're still friends and this is honestly my son's birth mother is somebody who i i hope that she listens to this <laughs> She's considerably younger than I am, and she and I are, like, very, very good friends, even to today. I mean, we're talking to eight. My son's eight years old now, and we still, I mean, are we as close as we were then? I mean, do we talk, like, every other day or whatever? No. But I'll give you a realistic story about, you know, you talk about a relationship that's just really like none other because the fact that we were in Texas, they were in Florida, you have hurricanes, <laughs> And I remember a time when she was pretty far along. I mean, she was due within a few weeks. And a hurricane hit the Texas coast at the time. And I remember we didn't have communication with anybody for like a good seven or eight days. And she kept picking up the phone and picking up the phone and picking up the phone and trying to call us, trying to call us. There was no sort of service anywhere for like at least a week. I mean, and we tried to go, you know, miles and miles on the street. It didn't matter where you went. There was just nothing within the near area. And so she finally, I'll never this, she finally got a hold of us. She was the very first person to get through. And she was like in tears because she was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to make sure you guys were okay. And, you know, we created that bond. Wow. An unexplainable bond. Right. That's so amazing. Okay, we have to take a break. But when we come back, I want to hear about her birthing plan. I want to hear... You know, what you guys talked about before birth and how she yep. contacted you and all those details about actually getting the baby. 
You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670KLTT.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband. Are you enjoying the program today, but wonder how you can hear more stories about the joys and challenges of adoption? Good news. Adoption Now is available on podcasts through iTunes and Google Play. Just search Adoption Now and subscribe. We download a new show weekly, allowing you access to every story we've shared. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's story as we get back to the host of the show, April Fallon. Hi, this is April Fallon, the host of Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. We want to hear your story. Do you have an adoption story? Please email me at april at adoption-now.com. This show is dedicated to giving adoption a voice. Don't be afraid to speak out. Together, we can inspire others. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today, we're talking to an adoptive mom and author from Texas, Beverly Reynolds. It's sharing her story. And in the story, she's talking about how she decided, her and her husband, to go forward without an agency. They became their own advocates. They signed up online to show their profile and were matched to a birth mother in Florida. So they flew to go meet her at the melting pot. And she says, yes, we're a match. You guys have connected Now you're going to fly back to Texas. She goes on her way with the birth father. Now what happens? Well, I remember getting on the airplane afterwards. And of course, we we knew each other's social media addresses, phone number, address, everything at this point. Because, I mean, we were face-to-face. We knew she was real. I had the ultrasound in hand. And the funny thing was I get on the plane, and I end up sitting next to this lady older than myself who, you know, she was watching uh, my husband and I kind of interact together. I mean, we're, of course, giddy, nervous, excited all at once. And in my hand, I couldn't put it in my suitcase, but in my hand, boarding the plane, as if the most precious thing I'd ever been given in my life was the ultrasound to our child, our son. And she looks at me kind of like with this confusion going, okay, you're on a plane, you're like basically hugging this little ultrasound picture. And I said, I'm holding the first picture I have of my son. And she kind of looks at me like, okay, because really, in all reality, if you're thinking this in your head, she's looking at me going, you don't look pregnant. And obviously to get an ultrasound of this clarity, she was pretty far along. I mean, she was doing a couple of weeks. So she was probably pretty confused, just like in the airplane. And I explained to her the story and she was in tears because she was just like, that is so awesome and so unusual. But we go forth and... We come back to Texas, and of course, we keep in constant communication with her. You know, hey, how are things going? And I mean, she's educating me on the idea of pregnancy because <laughs> I had never been there. Mm-hmm. She had been there several times. She had already had five children before my child, which my child was her sixth pregnancy. And so she was educating me. And I think she kind of liked the fact that she was educating me on the whole pregnancy and Marrying our child because it was just as much hers as mine. How old is she at that time? At that time, she was, I believe, 25 or 26 years old. Okay, and birth father is 19. Correct. Okay, so she's educating you. Yeah, and I think that it kind of gave her a sense of sisterhood with me because, I mean, I was, yes, I was the adoptive mom, but I mean, she was schooling me. In her situation, she was the birth mom schooling the adoptive mother, which in and of itself 
is quite unusual, I would presume. Right. But, but it, it formed a sisterhood. I mean, I want to say there's probably six or eight years between us, and it didn't matter. None of that mattered. We had this instant bond of our child. And two years, we just kept up that same relationship. I mean, when my son was born, my husband at the time had a similar birth date, and so she had a birthday cake for my husband at the time. Wait, she had a birthday cake where? At the hospital? When, when my son was born, within a few days or so, I mean, our son was still in the hospital. He was born a couple weeks early. So we would go out on, like, little adventures, if you will, with the birth mother and birth father to kind of get to know each other, let the families interact. And we had nowhere else to go. I mean, we didn't know anybody in Florida. We were just in a hotel room for two weeks until we could come back to the state of Texas. And our child was in the NICU because he was born significantly early. So we went and visited him together. We went to dinner together. We went to lunch together. And then, like, she would actually throw a picnic because my husband's birthday is only two days after our son. So she threw a birthday party for the adopted father, my then husband. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. I mean, that is so rare that she would be thinking about you guys. I mean, she wanted to have the relationship just as much as... Oh, definitely. And that is what I think is really interesting about your story is... She was willing to put the effort in as well, not just for your son, but with you guys. A lot of people say they want to have open adoption, and then the adoptive mother is making all the effort, you know. And and financially, a lot of times the adoptive parents have a little bit more finances that they can fly and and see the person. But it sounds like in this case, I mean, she's throwing him a birthday party. She's, you know, getting the table for you guys at the restaurant. She is very smart, very much so. In fact, to kind of further that along, to kind of paint a very clear picture for you guys, my son's birth mother, I will love her dearly. You know that already in the few moments we've talked here. But she did not have a lot of financial resources. So that's even a bigger sacrifice mm-hmm. on her behalf. Now, granted, here we are eight years later, and she's married to a different person who treats her fabulous as well. But at the time... Together, my son's birth father and birth mother, great, great people in the world, greatest favorite people in the world, however, did not have a lot of monetary resources. You know, she was on a bunch of government programs at the time, and she would give some of the benefits, whether it was milk, cheese, eggs, whatever, to people that she saw in need for wow. There were no drugs involved? There were zero drugs involved. She's a nurse. I, that would be a very bad thing for her career as well as her own health. Wow. Why was he born early? There was something where I don't know any, all the details, but I know that she had fallen in the shower, and so the sack had, had ruptured, and he had to come within 24 hours. So I will never forget that call because she called me. She like she fell in the shower that morning, and she called me, and she's like, he's coming in 24 hours. And I was going, oh, goodness, what do I do? I'm in Texas. <laughs> I have to get a last-minute plane flight. And it just sort of worked out. I mean, I was there at, I'm trying to think now, like at 11, I think he was born at about 1 o'clock or 1.30. And it was in a few hours of him being born. And I jumped on a plane, got a rental car, made it through the swamps of Florida and to the hospital where I had never been before. And I'm directionally challenged, by the way. <laughs> made it to the hospital room. And everything just kind of worked out. And all the nursing staff and everything were awesome, fabulous. Dealing with our situation, they allowed us to visit our son together 
the four of us. <laughs> so it was a team effort, if you will, or a family that we had right there. And we knew nobody in Florida. And how much nobody. did he weigh? Eight pounds. I mean, he went, no, it was six pounds because whatever that, whatever that cutoff for premiums, he was like right at the cutoff to make him be, quote unquote, a preemie. So I guess it was at six pounds even. And how early was he? He was born at 36 weeks. So he was four weeks early, and it was just enough. Like, he was right on the border to where his lungs were not fully developed. And so he had to be on the, whatever the NICU machines are called. Right. For how long? How long did you stay in Florida? Well, we had to stay in Florida for a total of two weeks because we had to wait for the paperwork to go from Texas Mm -hmm. to Florida. Everybody had to sign it there and then go back to Texas before we were allowed to cross the state lines. Okay. So how long did you stay in the hospital? Yeah. Well, my son was in the hospital for five days. And then we basically just had to stay in Florida and have him in the hotel room with us right. for the remainder of the time. It was a total of, I think, just short of two weeks. So you weren't worried at all that she was going to change her mind? Nothing, none of that fear? I, I would be lying if I didn't say that I thought about it. But we still had that sort of comfort that said she kept in communication with us and she was very honest with us from the start. I mean, it's always a possibility. Always, 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 okay? However, we created that bond. I think that she wanted that bond just as much as she wanted to have a life for her child that at the time he could not provide. Mm-hmm. I always tell families, it's always my advice when they say, oh, I got matched. And I say, have you personally talked to the birth mother? Oh, no, the agency does that. And I'm always like, right. no, but you should reach out to her. Oh, no, they're handling yep. it. Are the lawyers handling it? And I'm like, do as much as you can to form a bond with that birth mother yes. in the whole process. Yes. Because you don't want yes. her to feel like she's going to lose something. She is going to feel that anyways, but you want her to know, I'm not stealing this child or taking this child from you. We are in this together. And if she thinks about changing her mind, it's going to be a lot different if she knows you by name. You've spent time with her. You've cried with her. You've been with her in hard times. And even in just a couple of weeks, you can form a bond. And so don't let the agency talk you out of that. Now, if the birth mother and birth parent is extremely dangerous or they're on drugs, you know, there's different circumstances that an agency would say that. But if they will release that information to you, I would say if it makes you feel uncomfortable to give your phone number away, then get a dummy phone. But get a phone that you can actually talk to her. And people think I'm crazy when I say that. They're like, no, no, that's what we paid for an agency with. And I'm like, yes, no, you don't understand. So if you're listening to this and you've just been matched, I would say really try to meet her, know her. And it will be so great to be able to tell your children the time that you spent together with her. Oh, definitely. That's one of my cherished, we've got it in a book now, but those cherished pictures is the very first picture that we took together right there at the Melting Pod, right outside the front door. And then... Obviously, when she got a birthday cake for my ex-husband, but just the involvement that we got to share, and it's funny how we we look alike, and you know, just one of the questions that I want to answer a little bit further is that you had said creating that bond. One time when I was very, very afraid that she was going to change her mind is when she had to go, like I think it was a day or two after he was born, our lawyer was about two hours away from the hospital, so... We literally were on pain and measles because she drove, she drove herself 100% by herself for two hours to terminate her rights as a mom and then drive back. Can you imagine the thought, even in a positive situation, 
what is running through your head when you are alone in a vehicle on the interstate driving two hours simply to shine away the rights to your child. I knew when Mm -hmm. she came back and she said, you know, I took care of everything. I knew at that moment that we were parents because I knew if she had that much dedication to our relationship, to the plan, because of that relationship, that bond that you mentioned, that's invaluable. Absolutely. Did you get her a gift? We did. Uh, it wasn't something that was huge and glamorous, but it was more personalized items. So we, in her case, we took her nickname. One, like the main gift that we gave her was actually a bathrobe because she wanted a bathrobe. And we wanted to give her something that was personalized, something that maybe she wouldn't have gotten or been able to get for herself. So we went and found one of the nicer robes that we could find and had it embroidered with her nickname on it. And I remember we might have given her slippers or something to that effect. But, I mean, we, we put together like a little basket or gift set, if you will. Mm-hmm. Just things that I thought were personalized that meant something to our relationship based on the fact that, you know, these are things that are special to us. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a valued in terms of um, monetary gift so much right. as personal. That's a question we get a lot is what should I give my birth mother? And, and it's always different. You know, one of our birth mothers, she loved my shoes. I was wearing Nike tennis shoes in the hospital. And she kept saying, I love those shoes. I love those shoes. So I went out and got her a pair of Nike tennis shoes. She was so happy. She didn't ask me for them, but I knew that that's what she wanted. And another birth mother, she loved Hello Kitty. So I got her matching, her and I matching Hello Kitty pants and slippers. And she was super happy about it. So they, it, it wasn't like I got her something expensive. But something, like you said, that was meaningful that I knew would make her happy. And so when you get a chance to know your birth mother before, you get a chance to know the things that she likes and she doesn't like. Right. In fact, something that we've done ever since then, and I still have to keep this up to this day, I just, you know, with Christmas, you know, half a year ago, one of the pictures that she connected with on our profile was the picture of us standing in front of the Christmas tree. Christmas is very, very important because it means family, it means togetherness. And so we carried that theme. And so I just, was something I started doing from the get-go, I actually sent each one of her family members, her kids, her and her husband at the time, whoever that was, gave them each their own personalized Christmas ornament. So I'd go to like personalcreations.com or whatever the website was at the time and just send them a Christmas ornament. That, so now they actually have a Christmas tree at their house. That's literally just our ornaments. <laughs> That's awesome. Things like that that you think through that are really meaningful to both of you really means a lot to the birth mother. And it means a lot to you. I remember one of my birth mothers gave me a mug where she had signed the paperwork. And then she gave me a gift at the paperwork signing. And it was a mug of two girls hugging. And it said something like, we're not only friends, we're sisters. And I was like bawling because she gave me a baby. And then also this mug. And I was like, she and I connected the same way that you're talking about. It was just a deep connection. And it was so close that honestly, I I could have just crawled up in the bed with her at the hospital. She was that open, you know, she was just a loving person. And I think that she felt a connection and we also looked alike, which was very interesting. But I just, I think that seeking out those relationships is a part of the adoption journey. And if you're going into it, just thinking about the baby, you're missing a whole entire family, a whole extended experience. And 
what you can do for the birth mother is so unbelievable, but vice versa. Sometimes she changes your life. Sometimes she says things to you and teaches you things that no one else could have. And that connection is equal on both sides. And when I see that happening, I think it's so amazing. It doesn't always happen, but when you get the opportunity to stay open, open adoption, we've talked about this before, means so many different things to so many different people. But what we talk about when we say open adoption is just really having an open heart in it. Really talking about what your relationship will look like between the two of you, between two families over one child that both of you love. Definitely. So when you left, when you left Florida and you went back to Texas, when did you see her again? Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but it was probably two weeks later. I think there was maybe one other time that I went down there between then and the time he was born. There wasn't a lot of lead time. And I think that from the time I met, I think, I, I think that we went down there. Or I went down there probably four times before he was born. And then you continued a relationship with her just through the years as he's been growing up. Oh, definitely. I mean, we, uh, while we were married uh, and I got divorced three years ago, we would go there every year and she was in uh, Orlando or just, just outside of Orlando. And so we'd take them to Disney for a day or whatever the case may be based on that year and our vacation, our time away. But we would take them to Disney and then we just kind of hang out at the park. Now she no longer lives in the Disney area. She's actually moved out of state and being a single mom now at this point, it's a little bit harder financially, but Two years ago or so, I think two and a half years ago now, I took my son, just the two of us, down, she actually was in North Carolina, and we went to a indoor water park for two nights, and then the third night, we actually stayed at her home with her now husband, and she has four children at home, two that are younger than my son and two that are older than my son. She and changed it, her life completely. Walking. I mean, she moved away, she got married, she has a house, kids. That's really unbelievable. What a special relationship you got to experience with her. Now, tell us about the book that you wrote. Yes, I actually have a book that's available now on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. I I published this book with the help of Higgins Publishing. But the book is called Here and There, Loving You Always. You can actually search by that title. Or if you just remember my name, Beverly Reynolds. There's actually two Beverly Reynolds that have written a book of some type on Amazon. So if you just type in Beverly Reynolds author, you'll see that book. It's a very bright, brilliantly colored book with this young boy just kind of running through on the front cover. And I actually designed, I illustrated, and I wrote the text based uh, and inspired by our own situation. So the book is for adopted children? It's really for adoptive families to read it to their child so that the child knows, hey, I'm loved. I'm adopted, and I may, that may make me special or unique, but I'm loved. That just means really in all reality that I have a lot more people to love me, to support me, to know about. You know, in my son's case, he will never have to wonder where he came from. My son's birth mother knows that there's a very good chance that at some point someday my son may get curious, even though he's told about the adoption process and, and he can recognize pictures of his birth mother, he's going to know, oh, that's my birth mom, but she loved me. That's why my adopted mom got to raise me. <laughs> that is so incredible. How can people get a hold of you? I have actually a website called hereandtheirkidsbooks.com. I also have a YouTube channel, and you can literally just YouTube my name, Beverly Reynolds, 
and you'll recognize me. You'll, you'll see me from my book. You'll see a picture of my book as one of my main pictures on YouTube. I also have a Facebook account. Pretty much every single type of social media I have, but the main way to contact me anyway is through my website, hereandtherekidsbooks.com. Awesome. Thank you, Beverly, for being on the show. Thanks, April. I appreciate it. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. And remember, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes. Thanks for tuning in to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week. Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.